Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Angie Fryermuth. And I'm Aaron Schneider. Today's guest is Mr. DeVarius Peoples, the Chief Information Officer at CORE Headquarters. Thanks for joining us here today. Hey, thanks for having me. For today's episode, we're going to learn more about digital modernization uh, and really just to talk about your job and the challenges you face every day. But before we get started, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get to this your current position in the Corps? Uh, a little, I'm, I consider myself somewhat a slight journeyman, a quick journeyman, actually. Um, what I started out at an undergrad degree in computer science, computer engineering, so I have some of that technical background, master's degree. Um, and then from there, I started the career journey. I started as an intern, actually, at NSA as a systems engineer. And then from there, the career just, just took flight, worked in various capacities at DISA, Cybercom, Netcom, at the Pentagon as well, uh, with the Army, uh, OAA, ITA. Um, and then I, was, I had the ability and the opportunity to do a, a joint duty assignment over at uh, OPM. Um, I, where I was the associate CIO at OPM for, for infrastructure and, and telecom services. So that was a very good opportunity. You know, federal space is a lot different than, than DOD. Um, so that afforded me a lot of different opportunities. Um, and then from there, um, I was able to transition to NETCOM. And then from NETCOM, I, I landed here at the Army Corps of Engineers. I've had a pretty good, interesting career. I'm still looking to do even bigger and better things, but I'm but definitely excited for the journey that the Corps of Engineers has definitely put me on thus far. Thank you uh, again for taking the time for joining us today. And as Aaron mentioned earlier, we are talking about digital modernization. And I don't know um, about Aaron, but it sounds like you have a difficult job of keeping everything going within the IT world. Um, you have the security portion, and then you have just the general technology with a largely virtual workforce right now. All of that is challenging, but we want to know what is the most rewarding part of your job. Yeah, so so I always say I try to make IT sounds as fun and interesting as Dr. Pittman can make R&D sound, right? Dr. Pittman can make R&D sound so exciting. So I try to do the same thing with IT. Some of the great experiences we have within IT, the goal is just to really keep the networks running up and running to allow everybody the opportunity to be able to do their job. Uh, because quite frankly, if IT is down, email is down, that makes for a very bad day for me. I like to be behind the scenes, not so much heard or seen. I just like to have things running. That means I'm doing a good job. That means the day is a good day. When, when IT challenges and issues are at the forefront, that means my day is rough. So that's kind of the way we try to operate within IT. Not so much seen or even heard, just know IT is always up and running. So when you go to connect, it's there. So, and we have a lot of challenges, you know, as you say, it's so spread out. When you think about demographics and geographics as well, we have so many different districts, divisions throughout the country, and everybody needs the ability to be able to connect. Um, so with that being said, the, the environment has to always be up and running. The infrastructure has to be up and running, and it has to be secure. Um, because our goal is to operate in a secure manner while we enable IT technology to be leveraged by the districts, divisions, those CONUS, as well as Ocon. So, so those are those are a lot of things that we take pride in. Um, but ultimately, we take a lot of pride in, and we rejoice when, when users are working in the optimal manner and IT is not so much seen or heard, it's just there to be used. So, so we keep our fingers crossed every day and, and we knock on the doors or knock on the wood. Hopefully every day IT works well. Had a few bumps in the road past few days, but uh, but we're getting through them. 
Um, so we're, we are getting over the challenges, but, but we're, we are glad and happy to support USACE from an IT perspective. No, I think that's good. And I know our listeners definitely have seen the challenges uh, this past week. And, and I think you probably deal with those challenges yourself too, just being on the same systems as we are. So one of the things is like thinking about systems and we know systems can't be perfect and can't be available 100% of the time. That's just not feasible. But what are you doing to keep these systems up and running uh, as much as possible? And do you have a specific goal for how often they should be up? Like for our listeners to expect like, all right, you know, if you're if it's down on average one day per year, that's OK or expect that or you know what I mean? It's just like what are what should our expectations be as the end users here for the system and availability? If we're doing things the right way, the network should never be down because that means we always have a different way to connect, right? There, there's more than one way to get home, right? If you have one way to get home, then you're in trouble. Um, so it's the same thing with IT. If you have only one system and one way to connect, then we're in trouble. And the reality is right now, I'm not gonna say we're in dire trouble, but we're in slight trouble because we have to begin to enhance the redundancy um, and the strength posture of our network. So throughout the course of the fiscal year, those are some of the efforts and initiatives that we're beginning to put in place. So when you think about a lot of your major systems, such as P2 that we all use, we hear so much about it. Even when you think about RMS and the real estate community as well, uh, Remus, Rickness, Happiness, all of these major systems, even the, the EDW that we all use, we expect these systems to always be up. However, funding becomes a challenge. So we make critical decisions based off the funding we have. So with that being said, we've invested and we made smart investments. However, we didn't buy the nice shiny car. We decided to buy the, the less than shiny car, but something to get us moving. So, so that's what we uh that's what we took the opportunity to do. So with that being said, now we're trying to get to the point where we can drive the nice shiny car. That means having system redundancy and those type of things. So we are working closely at the governance level from an investment review board perspective with the with the other investment stakeholders, the executives, as well as the commanders to ensure we can properly invest in IT resources because we have not invested as much as we should. Um, we have scrutinized a lot of IT resources, but that's just a part of the business because you have to be frugal with the funds, but you have to invest in the right things. So we're beginning to identify how to enhance the networks and the enterprise has supported it, but now it's the time to move forward with it. So that's our biggest challenge, being able to implement these things to provide that redundancy to allow our users to connect optimally. So the challenge is before us and we're up for the challenge. Speaking of challenges, let's go back a year and a half to like March 2020 and where really the core infrastructure as far as technology goes changed. I can remember that first week uh, that we were all virtual. Well, Aaron and I have been virtual for a while, but all of the workforce was virtual pretty much. And we were like, oh man, you know, only four hours on the network at a time, um, getting kicked off here and there, um, working odd hours. But I will say kudos to you and your team because within a matter of a couple weeks, everything changed. And I know that that didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of convincing and getting things patched together because you're right, we didn't make the investments that we needed to and, and it showed. So I want you to just talk a little bit about what it took for your team to really make sure that the USACE was up and running and delivering the mission and not to mention a really key component of the mission during the pandemic. I first say the team did an excellent job, right? I mean, it took it took a lot of nights, 
because we were able to get it back up and running in, in about seven days. But when you think about how spread out UCS is, everybody's connected in so many different places, different time zones. It was a challenge. Um, I can remember when then General Seminite was, he, he come and said, hey, what can we do, right? And he said, because um, do we need to stop people from logging in? How can we keep mission going? It got to a point where we were playing musical chairs of who could get on the internet and get on the VPN and at what time, what files they had access to. It was, it was a nightmare, right? I would not tell you the success did not come with challenges and hurdles. However, we were able to work through those. When you think about how many users on average, users on average before COVID, I always say BC before COVID, there were roughly on average maybe about 500 users that would connect through the VPN on a given day. 500. When you begin to look at during the, the rough week, I call it the rough week for COVID when, it first, when we first got the word to go remote, we had about on average, it increased to about 10,000 users in about less than maybe three or four hours at the beginning of peak hours of about 10,000 users. So on a given day, 500, and now during the course of the week, we have 10,000. So what happened with that? Users just couldn't get on. So, so what we had to do, we had to begin to quickly figure out how can we make this work? Um, so we worked closely with our, our integrator at the time, it was Lytos, who was a critical mission partner for our success. Um, we were able to scale our VPN from 500 using the VPN every day to we have now capacity of about 80,000. We can handle the load of 80,000 and we have about 36,000, no more than 40,000 users within the Army Corps of Engineers. So we've doubled our capacity um, and we've been able to sustain that capacity Throughout now here, probably for the past almost 18, roughly almost 24 months since 2019, to be able to make sure users could effectively work. And that came with, like I said, a lot of late nights. I mean, we work closely with our vendor, our mission partners. I definitely can't overstate the patience of the enterprise that, uh, that USACE had with us as we got over that, that hurdle, but it, it didn't come without a lot of challenges. We were really in the trenches making it work. Um, and we learned a lot, right? We were able to learn a lot, one, with regards to what it really took to manage a, a large-scale enterprise all on VPN going into an office space. Um, so we were able to really get over that, and that was, it was great benefit. But again, it's not something that I would like to go through again, right? I, I, I keep my fingers crossed that we can always operate in an optimal manner, but that definitely showed us that we could get it done, and, and we did. So I'm appreciative of the team for that. Yeah, that's good to hear, you know, and, and I knew it was a big jump, but I didn't actually realize there were only 500 users uh, before COVID or BC. Uh, and then I knew it jumped really high quickly, but that's a 20 times increase really overnight. And like Andrew said, we were online before VPN virtual and I always just tell people how great it was. I was like, it's worked so fast. It's actually faster than being in the office. Like, this is wonderful. And then COVID hit and I was like, oh my goodness, this is a new world. And it was so frustrating, especially for us that had been working seamlessly at home as it, it was a big challenge. And, you know, I think you talked about modernizing the technology, but what is the biggest challenge? And you mentioned funding already, we don't need to talk about that, but what is the biggest challenge of modernizing our technology to adapt for this virtual workforce? I'll say it's communication and training, because from a technical perspective, we can do a lot of things. We can throw something on the network and say, here you go, you say it's yours, use it. But where the challenge is coming at is being able, one, to communicate effectively, um, to say, hey, this is the capability, this is what it does, these are the benefits, this is how it's different than what you're used to leveraging, right? So, and a lot of times, just to be transparent from a technical perspective, technical users and technicians, engineers that are IT professionals, 
have a hard time communicating to those that are not that are non-technical. Um, and I think that's where the, the gap comes into play, being able to effectively communicate, but then be able to effectively train you as an end user, as a consumer of IT, how to effectively begin to be able to use the capability. And I think that's one of the emphasis that we're beginning to put more on within G6 is, it's not just about technical resources, but it's how do I relate to you as an end user, being able to meet you where you are, because you look at me and say, hey, you gave me this technical tool, but guess what? I still don't know how to use it. So now we have our users going on YouTube and, and many other places trying to figure out how to use a tool that we've put into the, into the environment. To me, that's not one customer friendly, um, but then two, we should be able to effectively communicate. So we're putting a, a true emphasis on customer support, end user support, and meeting the end user where they are and training is a part of that. So I think that's a challenge that in 22, we're beginning to work through. And as we work remote, uh, another good example is onboarding, right? Being able to onboard users because we as people are used to the human action, human interaction and the human element. So now you have to begin to learn how to onboard, navigate your way through the organization, use this new technology, understand what it means, all from home, right? So it's like, man, I look at it as if someone has kids at home working, uh, going to school remote right now through COVID for those schools that haven't went back in person. It's hard for a parent to teach a child once you've got, once you've been away from it for so long, it's like, man, I know how to do it, but I don't know how they're teaching you how to do it. So it's like, how do we relate, right? So, so those are some of the things that we're beginning to, we're learning how to do that as IT professionals, really relate to the customer, be able to communicate effectively and prop and make sure they're properly trained. So that's the challenge that we face within IT at the moment. Earlier, you made the car analogy. We upgraded to the sedan or maybe even the minivan that'll help us get a bunch of people in there really fast, but we're working towards that, that sports car or the real shiny model, right? So what is the future of technology in the core? What are some um, teasers that you could give the, the core employees something to look forward to? I'll tell you, my goal and the vision is to ensure that regardless of where you are, you can always do your job. I envision, and, and, and I, Hope to get there real soon to where you don't have to go into the building to do any part of your job unless you want to. That means you have the ability to leverage all of your mission applications on a mobile device. Uh, we are working to be more of a mobile friendly organization, uh, meaning the reduction of a lot of paper, um, the, the ability to, if you want to fill out your timesheet, pull up your phone, pull up your iPad. You don't have to carry your brick computer around um, to do your job, lug it around. And you have the ability to access all of your mission applications without having to log in through the VPN. To me, that's a mobile workforce because now you can treat your devices just as you are at home, right? So that means, hey, I go to the app store, I download the app, I have access to my mission critical data through a secure web browser, and I'm off to the races without having to go through VPN, put your PIN number in, and all those other things because your PIN is already cached inside of the application and, and it'll work in a secure manner through the web browser. So we have work to do for the FY22 budget. We have identified those things. Um, so we're trying to really enhance mobility through di digital transformation. And that means having access to do everything you need to do in the palm of your hands. Because to be honest, nobody's going into the office anymore. People are doing everything they need to do in their day-to-day -day business from a remote location. So we have to be able to support you and meet the end user where they are. That's my phrase, meeting the end user where they are. And mobility to me, will really enhance that. So for 22, we're really working to implement that because I think it'll provide, a, it'll really enhance morale, it'll enhance what we call life-work balance as well, 
Uh, and it'll give people a more calm, calmer balance as well without having to worry about going into the office if they needed it or being able to figure out how to navigate throughout various spaces. So that's the end goal, mobility, mobility, and digital transformation. Yeah, that's exciting. If you need some beta testers for that mobility, uh, sign me up. Uh, I am really, really excited to hear you say that. But you did mention something when you're talking about this, about security. So I, I think we, I want to pivot over to that a little bit. And thinking about this podcast, getting ready today, I think you have the most challenging job in the Corps of Engineers. So not only are you trying to keep all of us employees working and productive, but you also got to have to keep us safe from all of the challenges out there. And, you know, working for the Army and the U.S. government, there's definitely those security challenges out there. I've heard you talk about zero trust posture and security before. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about zero trust and what that means to the organization and the, the security steps that we have to take to keep our infrastructure up and running. All right. So first I'll say, you know, I hope everybody is is, is learning throughout uh, the month of October, which is dedicated to cybersecurity awareness month. Um, so there are a lot of things from a cybersecurity perspective that we can do to enhance not just our professional lives, but also even in our personal spaces. Uh, one, meaning ensuring that your passwords are constantly changed. Two, not using the same passwords, uh, you know, and, and just being able to update your phones um, because a lot of us are behind in our iPhone upgrades. I know how tedious that can be when Apple sends out an update every every two or three days. Um, so, you know, for, for us iPhone users, but, but doing those type of things and then developing that type of cyber hygiene will, will go a long ways in, in maintaining security um, and just being careful with the things that you click on because um, all of those things enhance cybersecurity. So when we think about USACE, when we think about DOD, federal organizations, we think about cyber and we think about mission. It is hard to find that equilibrium, that even balance between cyber and mission, because the, the reality is those two things don't go together. And, being, and they don't go together because as a professional, you know how you use technology in your personal life. But as an employee, what we don't quite understand is the risk that's associated with being able to have the flexibility to use regular devices that we are saying, hey, this is the new shiny toy, but then being able to translate that into government context and government use. So we have various inspections that we go through, CCRI inspections, those are cyber command readiness inspections, where Army Cyber, US Cybercom, Big Army comes and assess our environment, our security posture. Um, and we try to continue to maintain that because if we don't do a great job, then they take us off the network. We're not afforded the luxuries of being able to maintain collaboration tools that we have, the connections to our mission critical applications. We would just be, we would be out back. So we try very hard to ensure that we keep the cyber posture enhanced. And a lot of times I stretch, I'm stretched thin because we're trying to figure out what that acceptable posture is. And it's hard to find that balance between mission and cyber. Um, however, within the Corps of Engineers, I think we're starting to put more emphasis on a true cyber culture. Um, and, and that takes all of us to really be a cyber professional, whether we understand cybersecurity or not. Sometimes we have to force ourselves to think twice. Hey, if I do this, is it secure? If I, if I move this way, am I moving in the right manner? Because we all are cyber professionals. Don't take for granted the IA awareness training that you do. It's not just an opportunity to ensure that your network, uh, your network access isn't revoked, but it's also an opportunity to really understand the, the, the threat that we're dealing with, as well as the, the positions we can put ourselves in that could be not so favorable if we, if we conduct ourselves in certain manners from a cybersecurity perspective. So, so cyber is at the forefront of everything that we do. And I can't stress the importance of, of how critical it is to, to maintain an acceptable cyber hygiene as well as to be trained. So we're working throughout the course of the month 
to ensure that our users are trained. And we do this throughout the course of the year um, because cyber is 24-7, 365. It's not just one month. It's not just one quarter, but it's, a, it's an everyday thing that we have to begin to enhance as well as practice throughout our day-to-day. -day. So, so it's a challenge that we accept, and we're working to, to do a great job with the uses on that. So we're nearing the end of our time together, but before we part ways, do you have any closing remarks that you would like to make? Um, the only thing I'll say is from an IT perspective, we don't always get it perfect. We don't always get it right. Uh, but from a customer support standpoint, we are working very hard to be that IT service provider of choice. If there's anything you have, we're looking forward to receiving all type of inquiries. I say we look forward to hate mail, good mail, whatever you have, you know, send it our way because that's the only way we get better, right? Continue to let us know what you see. Continue to let us know how we can do better. I'm always looking to enhance ourselves. So, so we appreciate everything, all type of feedback. And we just want to be able to be that true service provider of choice. And, and it takes all of us to get there. Um, and it takes the enterprise letting us know how we can better serve you. Um, so that's really what we're trying to do, be the best IT service provider that we can. And definitely we appreciate the opportunity to serve USACE from an IT perspective. And if there's anything that we can do to continue to enhance and enable the mission, by all means, just come up on the net and shoot us a note. And we'll definitely do the very best we can to make sure that USACE is, is, is taken care of in the best manner. And to our listeners, I'll, I'll emphasize that when you're sending that note uh, over there and you have those negative feelings, you know, remember the person on the other side might be dealing with the same challenges you are. So, you know, always make sure that we're respectful in those. And, and I know it's a challenging job, but Mr. Peoples, I really enjoyed having you here today. We definitely are going to have you back on this, this podcast again to talk about uh, the new shiny cars and hopefully some mobility aspects. But thank you for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you, what topics are important to you and people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.